0: Hey, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron, I'm joined today by Lindsey from our NextGen team, and we're so glad you're tuning in with us.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here with you guys. Um, if the message resonates with you, please share the link with a friend or family member. You never know how it might impact them in their lives.
0: And we're led in worship today by our friend Ava, so let's get ready to worship together.
1: Hey guys, welcome
2: to New City Online. My name is Ava, and I just want to welcome you and invite you to worship with us today. Amen. Sing. Who am I that the heights came? His grace was deep. While I was a slave to search His today to wake up and tune into worship and God whatever it is that the week has ahead of us we just know that your goodness will follow us and will carry us through every step and every journey of our life God so we press into your faith God we press into your truth Lord Jesus that you are who you say you are in our lives God
1: it's in your precious son Jesus that we pray amen Man, I love that. I love being able to worship together and be with Jesus. And if you're
0: new here today at New City, we want to say a special welcome to you. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to connect. So you can send us a text at 704-389-5333. If you want to pray with a pastor or you want to take a step towards community and jump in a group, or you just have questions about New City Church, let us know. And as always, you can connect at our website, newcity.us. Connect, and I'll be in touch with you this week.
1: And today we're starting a new series called Love Gives, and it's all about being radically generous with the resources that God has provided for you. And if you want to go ahead and get started on that, you can check us out at newcity.us slash give and you can start there and so one of the ways that my family I know has experienced this radical generosity is uh, we've we've been a foster family for the past two years we actually got started uh, doing that because of an interest meeting that we had at New City and we have just been blown away by how radically generous people have been to us I mean we get boxes of diapers and wipes and meals sent to us all the time or just checking in on us and seeing if somebody needs a babysitter we get that all the time and we We just so appreciate that generosity because then we can just answer the call to be a foster family and to love on these children who need it. And it just makes that a lot easier. So we are so thankful for that generosity that um, people continue to show us. So thank you for that. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, I thank you for all of the things that you have provided for us all the time. And we ask that you give us open hearts to hear how how we can be generous with those resources and how that will move in our hearts and move in the lives of those who are around us. We're thankful for being able to be here together and to hear from your word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.
3: For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is probably a Bible verse that, that you know by heart, that you've heard many, many times, and arguably is the most famous and well known Bible verses in all of the Bible. And it sets for us a really good understanding about who God is. And, and how he feels towards us, his great love for us. For God so loved the world that he did what? That he took? No, for God so loved the world that he gave. You know, there's this great theologian, his name was A.W. Tozer, and he wrote this. He said that the, the most important thought in your life, the most important thought you can ever think is the first thought you think of when you think about God. And so I wonder what that is for you today. What's the first thought you think of when you think about god well i hope it has something to do with the message of john three sixteen, that god loved you so much that he gave his only son his his most precious thing his only begotten son he gave him for you because he loved you so much that if you would believe in him, that you, you wouldn't perish, but you'd have everlasting life with him. You, you'd be invited to, to be a part of God's forever family. And that's, that's really the message of the gospel, the good news, that God loves each and every one of us so much, that he gave a son that we could simply believe and trust in him for the forgiveness of our sins and be in, invited into his forever family. And it really sets for us, doesn't it? This understanding about who God is and, and what love really does. Love always gives. It always does. You know, lust is all about what we can that what we can take and what we can what we can get. And if we're honest with ourselves, we, we live in a culture. And in our own hearts, there's this idea that we wanna, we wanna get and we wanna, we wanna constantly be taking, you know, it's what can I get from this person? What can I take from this job? What can I get from this situation to, to accumulate more, whether it's influence or money or whatever it might be. But love and the example that God gives for us, love always moves us to a attitude, to a position, to a posture of giving. What can I give in this situation? What can I give in a relationship? What can I give in my job? What can I give to other people? And so over the next couple of weeks, we wanna have a conversation as a church family here at New City about giving and specifically financial giving. And, and I know you may be saying, well, Chris, wait a second. What does John three sixteen and for God so loving the world and loving me that he gave his only son for me, that if I believe in him, I'd have everlasting life and not perish. What What does that have to do with financial giving? Well, actually it has a lot to do with it. Because the way that we see God The first thought we think of when we think about God, the way we understand and receive his love affects the way that we give love to other people and that we give all kinds of things, whether it's our time, our influence, our talent, and yes, even our money. And so before you turn the channel or you walk out today, I wanna just encourage you that God has a lot to say to us about his love towards us and how we give that love to other people, even with our finances. And actually, actually, the way that we give financially is a reflection. It's one of the reflections of the way that we believe that God has given so generously to us. But don't take my word for it, okay? Don't take my word for it. Listen to the words of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus said it this way, no one can serve, do you remember this passage? No one can serve two masters. Jesus continued by saying, either you're gonna hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve, listen to this, both God and money. But we try. We try to, don't we? This is the picture of the person that's baptized. And when they go under the water, they, they take out their, water, their wallet and they hold it up over the water so it doesn't get wet and come underneath the waters. And God, I want everything. I want, I want your love. I want your life. I want to obey you. I want to follow you except for with my money. And 2000 years ago, Jesus spoke about this. Some things don't change, do they? People are people in every generation. And one of the things that we've consistently struggled with this is, is this understanding that love gives and it gives and requires of us everything, even our money, especially our money. And did you know that money can be one of the chief rivals to God? And, and God wants our full love and attention. And so when Jesus is speaking about this in Matthew chapter 6, he's speaking right into our hearts, our affections, our love. And he says, you, you can't love God and, and, and money at the same time. You can't love God and money at the same time. You, you, you're either gonna despise the one and love the other. Uh, moreover, the apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Look at this passage with me. He says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The what? The love of money. It's the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, pay attention to this, some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. In other words, chasing after money and money being your God, you know, choosing to serve money and not God has led to many sorrows in our lives. Isn't that so true? I mean, that's probably true for each one of us. We can think about situations and moments in our life when we've been chasing something other than God and maybe it's money and we've made money our priority and we've chased after that instead of chasing after God and it leads to a lot of disappointment and frustration and sorrow. You know, basically what sin is, is it's taking what could be a good thing and making it the ultimate thing. You know, there's this word in the Bible called idolatry. It's taking something that, that might be a good thing in and of itself, but when we make it in the position of God, when we make it out to be our God, it becomes, it becomes uh, something that the, the distraction and it becomes something that's a bad thing in our lives. And we could do that with food. We could do that with money. We could do that with relationships. But specifically today, as we think about our finances, what, what Jesus and the Apostle Paul are trying to get across is that if you love money, more than you love God, or if you love money in a way that you're supposed to love God, it's gonna end up in disappointment and sorrow and frustration. And it's interesting, I just wanna point out in those two verses in Matthew 6 and 1 Timothy 6, where Jesus and the apostle Paul, they both use the word what? Love. It's this idea of my heart, my affections, and it really does affect the way that I give and live towards other people because love always gives. What Jesus and Paul are saying is there's this connection between my heart and my wallet. You know, what I've set my affection towards and the way that I choose to spend and to give my money. And so you might be saying, okay, time out here for a second. Is, is the Bible and Jesus and the church and pastors, are they just, are they just interested in my money? You know, is, that, is that all you're interested in? No. Did you know that the Bible has over 2,000 verses in it about money and giving? And so again, you might be asking the question, well, yeah, it just seems like the Bible and God and the church and pastors are obsessed with money. No, they're interested in you. Jesus is so interested in you that he talks about one of the chief rivals for your affection to him and the thing that our hearts are so tempted to follow. And it can be such a subtle thing how we can begin to replace money with God. We can begin to love money more than we love God. We can begin to set our affection on money more than setting our affections on the things of God. So the Bible talks unapologetically about, about money over and over and over again, not because it's, uh, God's obsessed with it or because he's only interested in your money, because he's interested in you. And he's interested in having all of your heart and not just some of it. Are you holding your wallet above the waters of your baptism and saying, God, I'll give you everything. I'll follow you anywhere, but just don't ask me to give my money or to, or to follow you with the way that I spend my money. The love of money, Paul reminds us, is the root of many evils, not money in and of itself. Money can be a wonderful tool and resource for us to steward for us to, to, um, to save and to spend and, and to give, yes, to give it and uh, to bless other people. But when money owns us, that's when things turn sour. That's when it all begins to fall apart. So Jesus doesn't need your money, Jesus wants you. And so he talks about your money because he knows that the way you spend your money, your wallet is directly connected to your heart. So I wanna ask you today to turn in those scriptures, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 9. Again, I said there were over 2,000 passages in, in the Bible about giving and money. And we're not gonna look at all 2,000 of them the next two weeks as we, as we talk about financial giving, but we're gonna look at one specific passage and we're gonna do a deep dive on 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, because in the context of this passage, the Apostle Paul is instructing the church about how they're meant to give. If love truly does give, right, we started with John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave, if love truly does move us to a position and a posture and an attitude of giving and not taking, then how in the world do we begin to give? How can we begin to think about giving in our lives with our family, with everything? How can we begin to, to align our hearts to the heart of God and the idea that love always gives? Well, Paul's going to help answer that question in Second Corinthians chapter eight and nine. And the context for this as you're turning there today is that the Apostle Paul is writing, of course, to the church at Corinth. And he's referencing in context this offering that he's collecting for the saints in Jerusalem. So in other words, Paul is taking an offering so he can take that money back to Jerusalem and and bless the church in Jerusalem who's being persecuted and experiencing a great crisis. And I think this is so cool before we jump into the passage today, just to set up some historical context. Because basically what Paul is saying is the, the saints, the church in Jerusalem need your help to all the churches in the Gentile areas beyond Jerusalem. And if we go back and just remember, well, how did the Gentile churches get there? Well, ultimately, it was because the faith, belief in Jesus spread from Jerusalem to other areas uh, beyond Jerusalem and ultimately to all the known world. And now Paul is asking those said churches around the known world, around the Gentile world to take an offering and take it back to Jerusalem. Specifically, Paul was sent out from a church called Antioch, from a city called Antioch. And Antioch was planted out of the saints of Jerusalem. So it's all connected. And what I love about this is that we can never outgive God. We just can't in our lives. So the saints in Jerusalem, a generation before had given, they had given people, they had sent out people, they had given their money and helped to plant churches all around the known world. And now Paul on their behalf is gonna take an offering and come back to Jerusalem. And I love this principle as we dive into this text, just the context of this, because again, it comes back to this idea that, that love gives and you can't outgive God, right? As we think about the context of love giving, God gave Jesus to us. We can't outgive that. And so now our giving is but a reflection of the way that God has given to us through Christ. You can never outgive God. So, with that, let's jump into our text and talk about specifically well, how do we begin to give as a church? As Christ followers, how do we respond to the love that has give, been given to us through Jesus? How do we respond by, by loving ourselves through our giving? Yes, our money, but also our time, our talent, our influence, everything belongs to God. How do we begin to give in that way? Let's look at, begin with 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I want to read verses 1 through 5 to you. Paul writes these words again to the church at Corinth. He says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia Verse two: For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I got to stop there for just a second. So Paul says, the context of the church at Macedonia giving was a severe test of their affl- of affliction, and their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have combined to overflow in this gift. So it was out of joy and out of uh, poverty that set the context for the church in Macedonia to give. I think that's amazing that it was actually out of a, a severe testing a time of confusion and disappointment, a, a time of scarcity even that they they, um, they chose to give in such a generous way because love always gives. Look at verse three. They gave, a, a, um, they gave according to their means, as I can testify, Paul says, but they also gave beyond their means of their own accord. Uh, accord. This wasn't something that, that someone forced them to do. This was of their own volition that they chose to give. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief for the saints in Jerusalem. And this, not as we expected, but they gave of themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. This is a fascinating and amazing passage about the idea of giving. And at New City, we've kind of framed up our our, um, teaching on giving and generosity, specifically financially, with five peace. And so I want to I teach through that in context of this whole idea that, that love gives. And how does love give? Well, specifically, if we look at this passage and we just kind of chart through, it gives prayerfully. Prayer is the beginning of your generosity. It's the beginning of giving. Uh, Paul says that the church in Macedonia, he's giving an example to the church at Corinth. He says, you know, they gave first, look at verse five in 2 Corinthians chapter eight. They gave first to who? To God. They gave themselves to God first and then they gave themselves to us. Uh, Giving always begins with us giving our hearts and our our entirety of ourselves to God first. Uh, Let me say it this way. Your financial giving will never make sense if you do it just on your own. If you don't give yourself first to God, giving financially to the church and what God calls you to will never make sense. It's only when we orient our thoughts and our minds and our priorities to God first and give our hearts to God first, then that that giving becomes something that makes sense in our lives because because we know how much God has given to us. So, So the first kind of thing that Paul teaches here is that giving should be prayerful. That's where all giving And again, I love the example of the church at Macedonia that he's setting here. He says, they gave in a time of severe affliction, but they had joy. And even though they were being tested with their poverty, it all resulted together with this incredible offering of generosity and specifically the way they gave financially. So in other words, what I love about that is that our giving isn't just dependent on our circumstances. Paul says their circumstances were difficult. They had poverty, they had a severe affliction that was happening, and yet, and yet because their giving was so prayerful, because their hearts and their minds were so aligned on the things of God, that it still resulted in this incredible offering. And they gave to themselves first to God and then to the offering to us. So let me ask you a really just straightforward question about your giving. As you think about that individually or as a family, And as you think about this first P in describing how we should give generously, is your giving prayerful? Have you you prayed about your giving? Have you gone before God and asked him what you should give? So many of us give, but we do so just out of our own thoughts or what we think we can give. We never even take time to pray and ask God, God, what would you have me to give? So I wanna challenge us, New City, that as we think about um, giving generously and this whole idea that love gives and part of love giving is our finances, that we would start first and foremost with prayer, that we would go to God first and that we would give our hearts and our everything to God first and ask him, God, what would you have me to do here? How can I give to what you want to do? Prayer changes things. And for some of us, we need to begin to pray that God would make us generous. Because God was such a generous giver to us, we should reflect that in the way that we live our lives. And so some of us, our first prayer needs to be, God, would you just begin to work in my heart and change my heart? I'm stingy with money, I don't like to give. Would you begin to work in my heart and help me to be a generous giver? Prayer changes things and it begins with us. Prayer changes our hearts. And we can see from the example that Paul sets forth here in 2 Corinthians chapter eight, that the Macedonian church that he gives an example of, they gave themselves first to God. They prayed, they asked God to make them generous and it resulted in this incredible offering. So our first P in the five P's of giving is prayerful. Here's the second one. Again, straight out of this passage, 2 Corinthians eight and nine. Our giving should be prioritized. It should be prioritized. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter eight. Let's look at verse 24, the last verse in the chapter. And then we're gonna read through the first two verses in chapter nine. Paul continues by saying, so give proof before the churches of your, here's our word, love, and are boasting about you to these men. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness of which I boast about uh, you to the people of Macedonia saying that Achaia has been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up, mass, uh, stir, stirred up most of them. So beginning in verse 24, he's, what he's saying is, you know, I'm sending Titus and a few other people to, to collect this offering. And I want this offering to give proof to all the other churches of your love. Maybe circle that word love in chapter eight, verse 24, because love does what? We know this. Love gives. And so Paul says, you know, your giving should be a priority because God has so generously given to you. And not only that, your giving, he says, in in 2 Corinthians 8, 24, should be a proof of your love. It's not the only proof but it is a proof of the way that you love God and other people is the way that you choose to to give because love always gives. So he says, when I send Titus and I send these other people, I want your offering to be a proof, not the only proof, but a proof of the way that you love Because I've been boasting about you, Paul says, everywhere I go, and I want this offering, I want the way that you give financially to be a proof of your love for God and for other people and for his kingdom purposes. And then he says this, he says, "'I know it's not necessary.'" I know it's not necessary for me to even write this to you, but I'm going to. And I love that because you know, many of us have been taught about giving or we've heard about giving. And so might, we might think, you know, this isn't necessary for me to hear again, but yet Paul writes it to them because it is necessary for us to be reminded of, of what we've already heard. It's necessary for us to, be, to remember what giving is really all about, which is an act of worship and response to how God has given to us. So he says, I know that I'm probably repeating myself and maybe this isn't necessary, but I need to say it again because it's that important. And then he says this, verse two, chapter nine, look at it with me, Second Corinthians. I know of your, what's the word there? Circle it in your Bible or maybe underline it or highlight it. I know of your readiness and I boast about you to the people of Macedonia. So this is kind of cool. Chapter eight, Paul is saying, I'm gonna use Macedonia and I'm I'm boasting about that that church. The churches like Philippi and Berea and Thessalonica. He was boasting about them to the church at Corinth. Now he's gonna flip it in chapter nine. He says, I boast about you, Corinth, to the people in Macedonia and your readiness, your zeal, your eagerness to participate in this offering. Did did you know, did you know that it used to be that the church would applaud when the offering was taken? They, They couldn't wait to participate in the kingdom of God and what God wanted to do. And they knew that giving was a reflection of the way that God had given to them. And by giving their money and stewarding their money properly, they could participate in God's kingdom and specifically of furthering the gospel here on earth. And the same is true today. When we prioritize our giving, what we're saying, God, is I'm making you a priority. I'm making your kingdom a priority. Here's, let's just give a reality check here. And this was so true for me and Jen, and it still can be. We have to fight to make giving a priority, to be generous. Because left into ourselves and our own hearts, again, what do we want to do? We want to take, we want to get. But love always orients us and moves us to a posture, a position, and an attitude of giving. And for many of us, practically speaking, as we think about this second P of our giving should be prioritized, if we're honest with ourselves, when we look at our budget and the way that we handle our money, we begin with spending. We gotta pay our bills, we gotta spend. Then we we go secondly to oftentimes to saving. I gotta save some money, I know I need to. Saving's a good thing and I gotta save some money. And then with whatever is left over, again, if we're honest with ourselves, for most of us, then we get to what? To giving. But I wanna challenge each of us to prioritize our giving and to make giving the first thing that you do. The top of your list, the first money that goes out from your bank account every month when you get paid should be to give and then to save and then to spend. But in our culture, we have that reverse, don't we? We spend and then we save a little bit and then maybe what's left over we'll give to God and we'll prioritize that for God. But one of the ways that we can, we can show how much we love God and how much we know that we've been loved by God, because remember, love always gives, is to prioritize our giving. This was such a challenge for me and for Jen when we were first married. We, we, would, we would oftentimes forget to give. We would think that, you know, that was, we always wrote a check every month and we would think the other one had written a check and then, then we would miss a couple months. And the truth is that it just wasn't a priority. We never sat down and really prioritized our giving. How much do we wanna give? We weren't, to start with our first people. we weren't prayerful about our giving. And so I just wanna challenge you to think through, you know, not only praying about your giving, but making it a priority. And let me just dispel a myth here real quick, okay? And that we, we, we were a part of this too, as a young couple, we thought, you know, one day when we make more money, because this is the giving myth, okay? The great giving myth. One day, right? One day, by the way, one day is not on the calendar. That's not a day of the week. But for many of us, we think it is. One day when I make more money, when my ship comes in, then I'll be generous. Then I'll begin to really give. I'll be prayerful about it. I'll I'll make it a priority. But right now I just gotta kind of make it, right? And I know many of you are in that situation. You're in that place right now. I wanna challenge you to just take a step towards praying about your giving and making it a priority. Because the truth is this, and the data plays this out. Did you wanna know the most generous group of people in the United States? People that make less than $75,000 a year. People that make more than $75,000 a year give percentage-wise less money than people who make less than $75,000 a year. So you may think, you know, just starting out or maybe you're a young married couple or wherever, whatever situation your life might be, you may be thinking, because all of us go through this. We all give into this myth that one day when I make more money, then I'll give more. But the percentages don't play out that way. Actually, the more money we make, the less percentage-wise oftentimes we, we give because then there's more expenses and then then I've got more things and then I think I need to save more money and spend more money and it never catches up because here's the deal, guys, everyone watch this. Your giving, especially the priority of giving, is not a matter of your balance sheet or your statement every month. It's a matter of the heart. It's about your affection. It's about your love. It's about knowing how much God has loved you and been generous to you. And then responding to that in worship and giving. Because love always gives. We've talked about love, uh, we've talked about giving, uh, being prayerful and prioritizing. We're gonna continue that conversation next week with the, with the final three piece. So I hope that you'll, you'll join me, but I wanna, I wanna end our conversation here today. You know, there's a story in the scriptures about the, the widow's might, this widow that, that gives. And she gives in such a generous way. And she doesn't give a lot of money in terms of just the amount of money, but she gives everything. She gives of her heart. She gives out of her love, her affection for God. And she's used even today as an example for the rest of the church, for every one of us about how we're meant to give, because it's a, it's a perfect example of how love gives, of how love moves us to a, a posture and a position of being generous. For God so, say it with me, for God so loved the world that he he gave. And we should do the same. Because bottom line, love gifts, love gifts. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the time that we could share together today. Thank you for your word and the truth that it speaks to our heart today. I want to just pray simply for each and every one of us that you would give us the wisdom to know what you're speaking to us from your word today for each and every one of us, for our families, for each and every one of us, wherever we might be, would you give us wisdom to know what you're speaking to us today? And would you help us now, even in this moment, to have the faith to go now and to obey? We'll give you the glory for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you.
0: your hands for a benediction as we go today may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you may the lord turn his countenance to you and give you peace go in peace new city